In our breakout and best-selling book, Looking for Angels, A Guide to Understanding and Connecting with Angels, Dr. Scott Guerin and I share how you can communicate with angels, understand signs from the universe and these celestial beings, feel at peace knowing you are always connected to source, and much more. Get your copy today at lookingforangelsbook.com, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or your local bookstore. And now you can even get the audio version narrated by me and Scott through Amazon, Audible, and iTunes. Hi, all. Nicole here. This podcast is intended to inspire you on your personal spiritual journey to inner peace. I am not a psychologist or a medical doctor and do not offer any professional health or medical advice. This applies to the podcast guests and or co-hosts. If you are suffering from a psychological or medical condition, please seek help from a qualified health professional. You are listening to A Psychic Story, a podcast that shares behind-the-scenes insights of people who lead supernatural lives among the ordinary. And I'm your host, Nicole Bigley. Join me every Wednesday as I dispel the myths behind magic and lore. Welcome to A Psychic Story. Hello, psychic listeners. Welcome to another episode of A Psychic Story. For this episode, I have Veronica Montanola, and she is a master feng shui and Chinese astrology consultant. Very excited to have her because that's exactly what we're going to be talking about here today is feng shui and Chinese astrology, what makes it different and or similar to other astrology. And also, she's the first feng shui expert that I'm having on the show. So welcome, Veronica. Thank you, Nicole. I'm so excited to be here today, particularly because uh, I've been listening to you and you have some a lot of young listeners. And uh, one of them is my daughter and her friends. In fact, I learned from you from my daughter. Oh, <laughs> so, wow. Well, tell her I said thank you very much. Yes, thank you. <laughs> and welcome to, I guess, what's your daughter's name? We'll give her a shout out. Sure. Her name is Rachel, Rachel Levine. From Array. <laughs> Rachel, well, thank you so much for being a listener and to you and your friends as well. All right. Well, you have a very fascinating story. I would love for you to just start off wherever you feel led to share what happened to you as you were growing up and then also what catapulted you into becoming both a feng shui and Chinese astrologer. Yes. So I think it started, I, I was born, I'm a child of the 60s. And um, I was born abroad, so I'm a mix of races. So I am part Japanese and part Spanish uh, because I was born in South America. So South America has an easier time with extrasensory abilities. It's very much accepted because it was very much accepted in Brazil. So that um, that got spread out throughout South America. And of course, there's many shamans in Peru. So that kind of mentality was always present. And um, growing up, my grandmother would talk about those things when she would come to visit my Spanish grandmother when she came to for a visit. So it was um, a fun conversation before we went to bed. <laughs> she would talk about <laughs> uh, weird things. But um, my knowing really came from having a near-death experience when I was uh, very young, probably 
you know, three years old. And the thing is that being a child, you think that those experiences are normal. And um, what I saw was uh, my dad used to rent, he used to have a quarter of a block. Uh, we lived in a space like that and he had a lot of space. So one of our neighbors was an importer, um, American person that was importing heavy duty equipment, pretty much like Caterpillar. And um, we used to play around those equipment that were stored in our yard. And I fell one day and the hitch fell over me, over my head. So um, that was my first uh, near-death experience where I saw my parents uh, carrying me and taking me to the hospital. But like I said, as a child, I never thought it was anything. It became a memory and I never thought it was strange until I became older and I started reading and I was drawn to, um, I think the first father of uh, psychic phenomena is James Van Prague. So I, I was drawn to his books and I was also drawn to um, a famous, let's see, a doctor, past life doctor from Florida. Um, I forgot his name. He wrote down many, many lives, many masters. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I was drawn to his books. Of course, you know, whenever you are the commonality with people that are born with to do something in the world, it's always difficulties, right? <laughs> so I had my shared challenges and difficulties that allowed me to uh, access that internal, a more internal part of me and develop that. So besides that, I think also when I was young, I got bitten by a scorpion because we lived in the tropics. Oh my gosh. And uh, yeah, and usually it would have been a scorpion that wasn't, that would not be biting anyone. But because it was pinned to the wall, my dad was very, uh, very inquisitive. So he would find something strange. He would, he was studying it. And when my mom called him, to do something, he pinned it to the wall where I could touch it. So that sort of brought me to another experience. But um, so it led me to believe as an adult that there must be something that I should be doing. <laughs> so, yeah. So um, when uh, when I got divorced, uh, my one of my friends introduced me to Feng Shui by sending me emails and uh, I became interested. One thing led to another where I met my first teacher, uh, was local. Um, I thought it w- I had to travel to Asia. And after that, I knew there was a lot more to it. So basically life just opened up and showed me different places when really we couldn't even afford to do that at the time. But everything opened up miraculously. And when I went to my first class, it went, even though it was basic, it was like my soul was like celebrating. It was a, an amazing feeling. Yeah. That's so cool. So then now going back to the classes that you took and everything, what kind of drew you, I guess, was the first one? You said it was basic. Was it about astrology or was it basic about the metaphysical? What was the course itself? So it was basic, uh, basic feng shui. It is what is also considered known as the American feng shui. Mm-hmm. And it's also known as the BTV school or Black Hat sect. Um, and it is where anywhere, whatever your your door faces, the wealth is always on the left side. It doesn't consider compass directions, timing or things like that. So it was just very basic. 
And that's like your front door. It could be a door to your bedroom, right? Because you can do it both with the home itself as a, as a whole, but then also based on each individual room. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You use the bagua, which is, you know, the big bagua or the small bagua, right? I went through a phase where I did that for every, I had a bagua and I went through every single my new house that I first purchased that was like actually my own that I wasn't renting and did all of that stuff. And it can be a little overwhelming, even the basic, yeah. right? Because there's a yeah. lot of stuff you do. It's like not just the elements that you take into consideration, but the colors and all of that. And it was also eye-opening because I did feel a shift in the energy of the rooms and just the home as a whole. And it was just amazing to kind of experience that. So why feng shui? Why was that the first? Was it just because it was available or did you feel a specific calling to it at first? And that's why you went after that as your first kind of intro into the metaphysical and spiritual? Yeah, it was really my introduction because that was available then. Um, I would devour books from Lillian too also, which is, you know, she's the, the dame basically of feng shui. And, um, I would devour her books. I would try to decipher things and, um, the opportunity to go and study from different people, uh, came about. There was a book that I, I picked up, uh, at a metaphysical store. And that basically led me to, um, pursue this teacher and ultimately to travel to Asia. And I felt it was more aligned to the earth energies because it was uh, compass directions and uh, based on compass directions and also based on timing. Because, you know, as you know, energies are not the same. Energies are not static. From one year to the other, your space changes, just like we do right? But that was my fourth teacher because my second teacher was an American lady and she explained energies and how energies work together in a more practical way. Because what happens with all these Chinese uh, information, it was written centuries ago when the language was different than our language, completely different. It was a lot more flowery, it was a lot more persuasive, or it was a lot more um, subtle. Whereas, you know, English as a language is a lot more direct. So there's a lot of subtleties <laughs> in the old written uh, text. Yeah. So it takes a while. <laughs> I guess we are a little bit more direct. I never really thought about that from a language perspective. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so my native language is Spanish. Okay. So Spanish goes around a little bit more around circles, um, explaining things. So, uh, yeah, so there's a difference between language there. It manifests differently among cultures also. Yeah. So for people that aren't familiar with feng shui, you mentioned the door. Can you explain mm -hmm. the basics of feng shui just as a whole, and then maybe dive in a little bit about some tips or some things that people can do around their space to improve it energetically or make it more balanced, I should say. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the front door um, in any school, is uh, whether it's in the East or in the West, it's always the mouth of chi. And it's always where you see what kind of energy comes in through the front door. What type of quality? You know, if you have a, a tree in front of, directly in front of your door, and also in your yard, you know, it is a blockage. If you see 
a sharp roof uh, directed to your front door. That is what is called shachi or negative energy coming your way. And it is going to um, work in a very subtle, subtle way. Uh, energies work that way. And, um, and it's going to become intense when a negative energy hits your front door. So what do I mean by that? Um, so when years change, uh, every year there's, we welcome a new animal. You know, the Chinese always welcome them. Right now is the tiger, um, Yang water tiger year. And 2023 is the yin water uh, rabbit. They go in sequence. So every year, every sector has a negative energy. For example, if my entrance was southwest in 2022, it is the energy of illness that arrives. Um, so it also applies to the female of the house. So if I was female, if I am female and my entrance is southwest, this year, because of the, of the bad energy that I may be, I may have in front of my door, it would affect me. Or it also uh, works out in another level. Um, everybody in a personal level, everybody has a, a life star number. A life star number is a number between one through nine, uh, based on of your year of birth that indicates what life number you are. The Southwest is life number two. So whether you're male or female, if you're a two, it would affect that. If there wasn't a female, it would affect that. Or if you had a guest that stayed in your house, it would affect the guest in your house. Yeah. So that's how energy works. So for somebody that's like, okay, that was a lot. I don't really necessarily know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, so, cause it's, cause it's, it's, it's very, it sounds scientific in the sense and formulaic that there's a reason for the energy based on where your home as a whole is facing, where your doors or windows are, what's being directed to your home, whether that's external to your home or also internal in your space. Right. So there's different things that you can do. So the door, I would, I would assume is like more like your, the window of the soul the window of the energy being able to kind of come in. So while you started there, it's really primarily so that people know and understand, like just be very cognizant of what's facing your door externally, because that's probably the biggest part of the energy in and energy out, right? That's huge because the front door affects the entire family. Mm -hmm. Not just one person, the front door affects the entire family. Yeah. Okay. So that's why it is important. And we, you know, I made the same mistake when I was, you know, starting. It's like, oh, yes, I got to renovate my house. I got to make sure the entire house is good. But the thing is, from the feng shui point of view, because feng shui is earth energies, it is really the environment where the house is situated and what's around the house that is the most important thing, because that dictates the quality of the energy inside of your house. Yeah. Also, you used the example of like a tree or like a sharp roof line. There are also homes that they may be on a busy intersection or like another neighbor's like lights or whatever kind of shine on or whatever. So what you're really doing is you're kind of, I don't want to say, well, you're, it sounds more like you're kind of protecting that energy and setting up a boundary so that whatever's being directed at it, it's softened and or unless you want that energy coming in. I also read uh, when I was in my feng shui kind of stage, like about a hill. So like if a hill was being directed at it and you have energy coming down, 
That could also mean like, depending on that energy coming down, it could be wealth. It could be whatever towards you. Whereas like in America, we usually think of like floods or, you know, we we wouldn't necessarily (laughs) want a home where there's a, like a mountain or, you know, a deep hill that's going to do that. Um, But that actually from a feng shui energetic standpoint could be a good thing, right? And then flip on it. If you're up on a hill, your energy from your house is going down. And so that also could be like prosperity or abundance is going down. Am I explaining it the right way? Yeah. So the hills are very, very important. Mm-hmm. And um, like you said, uh, there seems to be some formula with feng shui. And there is because the universe, you know, it's a mathematical formula, basically. And feng shui was amazingly founded at the time when science was not invented, right? But we're still using the same thing. And the hills um, have a lot to do with support. And it's more important to have a hill behind you. Like there's a home down the street from us where it's, there's no hill behind them. The, the land goes backwards and that's a money losing home because expenses always come up, always pop up. Yeah. And it's been turned over a few times. So having a hill behind you is really important, particularly a hill or maybe large trees, mature trees that are at least the height of your home. And in the front, you want like a little tiny hill or a rock, for example, um, that symbolizes a little mound. That would be also um, very good just in case, you know, there is some negative energies coming in. But yes, that's what is called the phoenix. We call them the phoenix. So with a door, let's say, depending on whatever it is that you have X externally or facing it. What are some things like you mentioned the rock to put that kind of in the front, but what are things that people can do with the front of their door, whether outside of it or inside that kind of foyer area to help soften the energy and or protect the energy? So if you can, you want to welcome the energy into your house. Uh, Welcoming energy can look like a, a more of a clear door area uh, things that are balanced, preferably no shoes, <laughs> you know, preferably you have a closet to put your shoes. And what is important is called, we call it the bright hall. So the bright hall is an area where energy or chi circulates. So having like a foyer, um, having a porch area where energy comes in and is invited into is really important because if you have, for example, some of the city houses, that um, the front door is right next to the sidewalk. Those are very fast. Things come in very fast and there should be other ways to to try to uh, embrace the chi. But for example, if you are in a suburb, it's very important to have like an entrance that is at least four by four, six by six, and that your stairs are not aligned directly to your door. Yeah, so that is very important the front, uh, welcoming the energy. Yeah. So welcoming as much as you can, keeping the foyer or the area clear. You said the bright hall, is there certain colors or things that are usually better for the foyer, whether that's paint or wallpaper or what have you? I think brightness, brightness and cleanliness, you know, are more important than color um, because it is really the element that is something that is more important. The element would be one of the five elements uh, that is based on the directions, but cleanliness, clarity, um, unclutter, and well-lit are important. And 
avoid mirrors if they are avoid stairs um, that are too close to the door or avoid a mirror that would reflect the the door maybe within four feet of that. So a lot of businesses have that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if people can't change the stairs, <laughs> do they, what do they do? They put a bagua up or like, what are some things that you can do to counteract what you have? Like some people don't have the ability to, you know, if they've already purchased their home or they're already there. Yeah. So I'm one of those examples <laughs> because the stairs were like that. But luckily I have a little bit more space in my foyer. Uh, what I did, I, I ended up switching the direction of the door. So the door opens towards the house instead of towards the stairs. That's one thing. You could also block that a little bit. You could put a plant, you could put uh, drapery, you could put a partition, something that would redirect the energy towards a better place. Yeah. Than outside. Great. So the how or the door to the house is the biggest kind of thing to consider. What are some of the the other areas within the home that people should be paying attention to, whether they're living there themselves individually or they're with a roommate or they have a family situation going on? So um, the bedroom, of course, because the bedroom is the space where we spend a lot of time, right? (laughs) Six to eight hours. (laughs) And also the study area, you know, or your family room, whatever place you spend a lot of time in and the kitchen. You know, because the kitchen nourishes us, right? Is our health area. So um, those are also very important components. And also the timing, you know, when did you move into this house? Or if you're in an apartment, when was the apartment built? Because in the Asian kind of feng shui, that gives way to a different kind of mathematical formula. It, and it tells you what the house is good for. Is the house good for um, relationships? Is the house, are you attracting this house because of um, you wanted to have family? And the other thing to mention is that if the house has missing corners, we call them missing corners. When the house is not rectangular or square shape, there's some L-shaped houses, there's some U-shaped houses, C-shaped houses, those houses have missing corners. You're missing something. But what Chinese astrology taught me is that many times we attract the house based on where we are in our lives. It mirrors. When you see somebody's house, it mirrors a lot of times your um, your natal chart. For example, uh, out of the five elements, uh, I barely have any metal element in my chart. And my house is missing those metal corners. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. So for, let, when we go back to the bedroom, the kitchen, and I'm blanking on the other one. So for the bedroom, what things can people do in the bedroom to make sure that the energy is optimal for them? So the basic thing for sleep, you know, uh, is that the bedroom is a yin area. Yin meaning there's not like uh, your exercise equipment, if possible, your computer, um, any mirrors reflecting the bed, your desk, for example, not be in your, in your bedroom. Um, if, for example, you enjoy seeing, watching TV before you go to sleep, put it in a place where you could close it. And because the reflection is very yin and over time, because energies are subtle, over time, 
it can affect different things in your life depending on where the item is located. And it's always important to see what's coming in through the door as you're sleeping, right? You're sleeping, you're looking there. And also important uh, where your head is facing based on your good directions. I think it's if things are going well, you know, it's things are okay. But it's when you get sick, for example, when you are experiencing a lot of blockages in your life, that that's when it's important to um, check your directions and see what is it that where my setup is and why is my setup not helping me? Because energy is all around us. And it's there just waiting for us to use them. And that's one, I believe that feng shui is really the missing link uh, to life. Because uh, we are growing as a community, as people, uh, spirituality, we're growing our gifts, we're getting to know ourselves better, we're aligning with our soul. But we have not really done a lot to manage using our earth energy. And that's what feng shui is. So in metaphysics, in Chinese metaphysics, uh, we have a term called heaven, earth, and man is the cosmic trinity. Just like, you know, in any religions, in any, um, in any other healing modality, you have the, the three, right? So it could be body, mind, and spirit. Um, it could be many other things. Uh, in Catholicism, I work, uh, I grew up Catholic. So is Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right. But for the Chinese is heaven, earth and man. So heaven are the things that um, we cannot help out to change. We cannot change. Heaven is what comes in, how we're born. That's why astrology is heaven, because we can't change it. We just came in this way. Right. Um, earth is the study of energies, is feng shui. And a man is what we do with what we have. Sometimes we can help change our destiny by the decisions that we make. And there's many countless of cases where people have changed their environment to change their life. And this is, uh, is uh, this is not just a functional principle, it's a scientific principle. I don't know if you listen to um, uh, Bruce Lipton, very energetic man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, he's coined as the father of epigenetics. Mm-hmm. He's a scientist. So uh, one of his favorite phases, phrases is, the environment is the sole authority of the particle. And when he explains that the environment is, of course, in the feng shui is our, our home where we live, the particle being us, because he has studied uh, cells many times, countless of times, and how they have mutated based on the environment. Right, a healthy environment, healthy cells, and when they they put back the healthy cells from the donor back to a sick environment, they become sick because the environment is sick. Yeah, so that's how important it is. So feng shui is just a if our cells are the microcosm, feng shui would be the macrocosm of life. And there are spaces based on the mathematical formula of Asian feng shui, where you could see that some spaces can make you sick. 
Well, I love what you said about the heaven, earth, and then human or man. And that is because mm-hmm. you, it's all really connected. So as you were talking, I was like visually seeing, yes, we come from heaven or we come from source. We come down earth as another energetic body that is a physical, but also a physical energy. But then it, there's also a lot of other energies and elements related to that that have correlation. And then us as individuals and who we are in the physical. And then the last word I got was spiritual. And then it kind of circles back if you think about it, because it's all connected to the heaven element, <laughs> because that's where we came from. So it is very cyclical. And, uh, and from a cycle perspective, makes sense when you look at, like you said, the environment and making sure. Mm-hmm. I call it more of like spiritual hygiene, right? Because there's spiritual and people always laugh. And I I promise guys who are listening, I am working on an episode about this, but talking about the spiritual hygiene, because it's like brushing our teeth or taking a shower from a physical perspective. We do those things Mm -hmm. spiritually, that spiritual hygiene may look, may look different to each person, whether you are or are not getting enough rest, whether you are or are not meditating, praying intentions, but then also that spiritual hygiene as it relates to the home. Sometimes I think people forget, like we clean our homes like a spring clean. But we forget sometimes that there's an energetic cleansing that also needs to take place. And like you said, the fact that things are going well, you don't necessarily need to mess things up or rearrange things in your home or your space. But also if there's things that you want to jumpstart or kickstart, whether that's your health or your finances or love in your life, there are some things you can do energetically that will correct, not want to say correct, but course correct, right? What's happening Mm -hmm. and allow things to be in better flow within that chi, that yin and yang. Yes. So that's why astrology to us is heaven. And the other thing that we see as far as heaven energy is our Chinese calendar. So the Chinese calendar is a, is different than the Western calendar. Um, in the Western calendar, or we call Gregorian calendar, it is numbers, right? A number in the name of a uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, in the name of a day. But in the Chinese calendar, it has is what is known as a pillar. It has an element and has an animal. And that's how we could correlate to somebody's chart to see if that's a good day for them. And um, and it's also, this is how we also pick if it's a good day for to do a clearing, for example, or if it's a good area to do a good clearing. So everything is related. Everything goes together so well with heaven, earth, and men that when those things align together, um, I would say some big shifts happen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'd love to talk a little bit more about the Chinese astrology because that's a really good segue into it. Um, And you mentioned one of the differences in the Gregorian calendar versus the Chinese astrology and that calendar and how it looks. Can you explain for people who aren't familiar with the Chinese astrology maybe, and I'll defer to you on what's the best way to kind of start off. Is it more about like the the signs and how that works or, you know, what, what does that look like? Yeah. So Chinese astrology is based on the five elements and the five elements is the foundation of the universe is based on the planets that move. Just like Western astrology, we use the planets and we use the five moving planets, the ones that are closest to earth, which signify water, wood, fire, uh, earth, and metal. So water, of course, is uh, the planet of a Mercury. Uh, Mars, of course, is fire. So it, it goes like that in order. And the animal signs, so 
there's five uh, elements in the yin and yang components make it 10 because there's yin water, there's yang water, uh, yang wood, yin wood, and so on. And then the 12 animals, just like in Western astrology, it is the distance um, from the earth to the sun at specific time, which gives way, the yin and yang gives way to the seasons, right? So um, everyone, when everyone is born, there's four sets of pillars because the year is one pillar, the month is another pillar, the day is another pillar, and the hour of birth constitutes another pillar. That is something that we cannot change, right? We were born on that day, right? So that constitutes something that we inherit within us that determines how our characteristics, how we do in life, how we get along with our siblings, how we get along with family, what will we do? Uh, do we have a better relationship with grandparents, bosses, things like that? And then what happens every year? For example, I said this year is the year of the water tiger. Uh, what happens every year affects that chart, either positively or negatively. And knowing how to maneuver that is really uh, the key to Chinese astrology. Some people, time, for example, they're launching their business, their growth, um, having kids, getting married, conceiving based on Chinese astrology. So they have better luck or what they call luck, better, uh, better results and less, um, less challenges. Because, you know, I, my company's name is, um, uh, Life Simple Pleasures. Just so all, all those little things that happen in life become more of a good memory rather than a challenge and mm -hmm. something that you could use to step on and grow with rather than um, set you back. Yeah. If people want to find what their sign is or find that information, what's the best place? I mean, obviously you can probably go online and search, but do you have like a preferred book or app or website that people can go? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have uh, I have a website and I have a free resource where people can go and enter their birthdays and find out what animals they have. I think I'm the horse. Yeah, and the year? Yeah, 1978 was when I was born. But I, I need, it's been quite a while, so I'll have to go on your website and fill it all out. But <laughs> okay. I do remember, I think it was like, honestly, it was when I was younger and I was a teenager and uh, we were at a Chinese restaurant. And so it had like on one of those menus, like how you could figure it out. And I remember thinking, oh, I'm not the rat. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a horse. Like, thank goodness. Like, I, you know, you're, I'm a, I was a child, so... But yeah. yeah, so so what the Chinese um, restaurants have is mm -hmm. that placemat, mm -hmm. and that is just one character one part, out right. of eight. Yeah, wow. out okay. of eight characters in your chart. So the real natal chart has, um, yeah, has eight characters. That's why it's called uh, many many people call it batsu in Chinese, which means eight character. Just like the bagua, the bagua is eight sectors, right? It's the same ba you know, bagua, batsu. Yeah. So it's kind of like if you think of like regular astrology that most people in the West are familiar with, you have your sun sign, then you may have your moon or your rising, your ascendant sign. So you have different signs within that. And that tends to be usually three, but you're saying there are eight within. And so I may have the horse in one of my areas or chart, and then I may have other characters that are related to different places or houses. 
So we also would say maybe like, because the planets are in our, our astrological house. And so those characters yeah. are within the houses. Is that accurate? Am I thinking about it correctly? Yes. Okay. Yes. So having the horse this year, the year of the tiger, uh, would have um, would have been a very good year for you to grow your uh, podcast, relationships, right? And that's how it works. And mm-hmm. also your chart has what is called a nobleman and peach blossom. Hmm. The nobleman is going to be based on your chart and what day you were born. It gives you what other animals are your allies. For example, people that would always help you no matter what, or people that you would learn something from. Hmm. And you have that kind of synchronicity with those people. And it also gives you the peach blossom is your charisma. You know, do you have some type of charisma? When can you use it? You know, when can you attract those people? You know, and that is designated through the months because every month is also an animal. For the horse, for example, it would be October for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, It would be February for sure. And it would have been, you know, the year 2022 that would have been probably more growth and more support for you. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting though. Yeah. What I really love about that whole approach is that, you know, you usually, again, I know it's all fluid, but when you look at general astrology, they say these are the signs that typically you work better with or work better with you. And that tends to be a little bit more static. And mm-hmm. the fact that it's structured that way, whereas where the way you explained it, it's it depending on where everybody else is in their life, like that nobleman or the people that could be influencing and or the characters and who they are, they're coming in and out. It's It feels a little bit more fluid. Yes. You could also find him in the day. Mm. Let's say you're having a networking meeting. Let's say you're, mm-hmm. you're meeting a client that day. You know, mm-hmm. you could schedule your activities accordingly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Great. So then people can go on your website. They can get some more information about what their quote unquote sign is and or what that would look like. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. They could print one. They could uh, download it or they could save it. Definitely. Yeah. The free resources there. For them to access. And what's your website again? It's uh, so my business name is Life Simple Pleasure. So it's the abbreviation LSP uh, Feng Shui.com. And the Feng Shui is F E N G S H U I. What other kind of things would you like to cover off on that we didn't have a chance to get to, whether it was related to Feng Shui or Chinese astrology or your experiences in your life and where you were and where you are now? So um, I think through Chinese astrology and feng shui, I was able to understand, you know, how to deal with with someone uh, that was, or or why is it that I have that kind of person in my life? Um, because we all have different things to to experience in this lifetime, right? Um, so understanding my chart allowed me to see why certain people are more difficult than others? Or why is it that they're in in my life? Why is it that I'm supposed to experience that at this time? And what can I do to fulfill that energy? Because everything is energy. It goes in cycles. And every 12 years, you know, you experience something because it's a new animal, right? And when is it that um, the one of the things that we call is clash in Chinese astrology? And that 
forces to change. The energy is there. So if you know sort of ahead of time that change is coming into my life, you sort of take a look at what area in my life is that I, I need change. And this is not just guesswork. It is just the year is in your, is the the outside layer of the onion, sort of. And it's your relationships with your social circle, with friends, grandparents. The month is, it could be your family, could be your siblings, could be your boss, colleagues. The day is a relationship with yourself or your spouse. Maybe something is changing in your home, for example. And the hour is, you know, who your, your children, uh, could be your future, could be a project that you have. So that's how you look at where the change is coming, where the clash is coming. So for 2022, those people that uh, had the monkey in their chart, somewhere in their chart, experienced change. And the change between the tiger and the monkey, because 2022 is the year of the tiger, and the opposite animal to them is the monkey. Whoever had the monkey experienced some type of a change, loss, accidents also because the tiger and the monkey is the worst clash that there is. There's different kinds of clashes, but uh, that's what's happening for 2022. And for 2023, those who have the rooster in their chart will also experience change in somehow. Yeah. And it's important to know where it is because through astrology, we also see internal and external parts of ourselves. How many times have you got into, um, met somebody who you got along beautifully, but then, you know, you knew them a little bit more. And it's like, mm, you know, they're, they're not that way. <laughs> right. So people have both internal and external personalities. Yeah. So that is really interesting. Yeah, no, it is. And for 2023, you said the year of the rabbit, what are some things without having to get into all of the signs? Well, I say signs, but like the animals specifically, what are some things people could anticipate or look for as we shift from tiger to rabbit? So um, it is going to be a very yin year because it's yin water and the rabbit is a yin animal. And um, so it's going to be the opposite of um, this year, 2022, because 2022 is yang water tiger and the tiger has some yang elements. Um, so a lot more aggressive. 2022 has been a lot more aggressive, um, controversial, challenging. Um, whereas in 2023, because it's yin, there'll be a little bit more peace worldwide, maybe more negotiations because, um, it is a more yin year. But because I am, you are in a podcast that's very spiritual, mm -hmm. <laughs> I will say that there will be a lot more people will be maybe seeking a little bit more meditation. Uh, people will be seeking to awaken, for example, because we're approaching the age of the soul. You know? mm -hmm. And in the feng shui terms, this is called period nine, also the age of authenticity. And in Chinese um, astrology, every pillar has a corresponding uh, organ, emotion, elements, um, all kinds of things. But the yin rabbit pillar means the kundalini. So many will awaken. Many who choose will awaken. 
I got chills with that one. <laughs> and also one of the, so I kept asking, you know, my guides and angels, all right, so what's the energy as a whole with 2023? What are we going to be seeing? And I kept getting rest and relaxation. And I was like, really? Oh, that sounds fantastic. But then I had to also ask, is that just for me? Is that collectively for the world? What does that look like? And they just said, you know, it's not always going to be the case, but the fact that you mentioned, and I obviously had no idea about the rabbit and about the yin and the water and everything. So it just resonates with me because I feel like that is a piece of it. And also I'm hoping, and I'm getting chills as I'm saying this, so I think the fingers crossed this is the case, that when people are awakening in that year of authenticity or the age of authenticity, as you said, hopefully it's softer, right? And it's not quite as jolting and jarring for people. Again, I'm not going to say that that's not the case for some, but I'm feeling like as a larger collective, as an earth as a whole, that that's healing. Again, that's restorative is probably the better word um, I was trying to like search for. Mm-hmm. So that's encouraging. Yeah, that's a very good word. I'm ho- I'm, I'm encouraged. <laughs> yeah. And uh, things are not going to, you know, become better at the flip of the switch. Mm-hmm. There's still, as we clear things, you know, some challenges are going to come because things have to be brought to the surface, right? In order for it to transform. So those kind of things we'll probably will still see uh, as we go forward. And because a lot of times when um, challenges happen in our life, it helps us to see and examine what is it that we we need to do. So that's what we'll see, especially for those with a, a rooster in their chart. Uh, they'll have to take a look at what is it in their life that they need to change based on whether it's in your year, in your month, in your day, or in your pillar. Yeah, so it makes it easy, right? You don't have to mm-hmm. go into a long investigative thing. You know, you just know what area in my life. Yeah. Okay. And then one final question, I guess, a rooster would be one where you want to kind of look out for, like you said, if there needs to be some change or there's some other animals that may either be impacted a little bit more or should be thinking things through (laughs) in more detail for 2023 with the rabbit. Yeah. So um, I'm holding a um, new year event on December 15th. And uh, I will go into detail about, you know, what's going on with every animal. But in general, um, the rabbit is a wood element. And a chart of 2023, when you see the complete chart, the year, the day, the month, and the hour, um, because uh, a date or an event also has, you know, eight characters. Um, when we analyze the chart, we see what kind of elements are going to be good, what type of elements are going to be bad. And elements also affect industries, you know, what industries are going to be good. So based on that, we could see that, you know, there are certain animals that are going to be, uh, ha- have higher um, uh, vibrational energy, supportive energy. And uh, some of them are going to have lower. Uh, for example, the rat people that had the rat last year and the dragon last year, or this year didn't do so great, but next year, you know, they're expected to have a lot more. And those who have the rabbit also, you know, we observe directions in feng shui. So we want to make sure that you're not facing the east if you have the rabbit. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, well, great. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Is there anything else you'd like to share before we conclude? That it is exciting to be able to know yourself a little bit better. You know, as we're going through a shift right now, we're going through a transformation and shift. 
um, the best thing that we can do is to know ourselves better, to be in alignment with what we do. So that way we could be happier and more productive. I think that is the key to living the next era. <laughs> and you mentioned your website before, but other ways that people can get in touch with you, I'll be sure to include all of this in the, the show notes, but any other ways for them to contact you? Yeah, so I'm in uh, Facebook and on Instagram. And we post uh, Wisdom Wednesday every Wednesday. Right now we have a running um, general blog on what the each animal is every week. Uh, we just published the dragon. So after the dragon is the snake. And every Sunday we publish what is called the energy potential, where it gives you a guidance for every day of the week, Monday through Sunday. Wonderful. Well, thank you. I'll be sure. And what is that? So on Facebook and Instagram, what are your handles? Um, LSP Feng Shui. Okay. So you got the same one. Sometimes people have them different. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you know. uh, I, I use the LSP. Yeah. Just okay. to say consistent. Yeah. yeah. So lspfengshui.com and then also on Instagram and also on Facebook. Well, thank you so much, Veronica, for joining and talking about both Feng Shui and Chinese astrology. I've learned a lot. Again, thank you for being on. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. What an honor. And I congratulate you for having this podcast because it, it helps our future generations. It helps our young people come up and um, to be more enlightened and informed than we were, <laughs> my yeah, generation. Actually. I know it would have been amazing yeah. had I, there were podcasts when I was growing up. So thank you for that. I appreciate that. And again, please tell your daughter and her friends. I appreciate them listening too. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you for listening to A Psychic Story. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and join the conversation on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. All episodes are free on your favorite podcast player or at apsychicstory.com. Have a question? Is there a topic you'd like to hear more about or have a suggestion for a future guest? Send an email to contact at apsychicstory.com or leave a voicemail message at one 800 880 1881. We'd love to hear from you and you may even be featured on a future episode. If you're interested in booking a session with me, you can do that directly on the website. And if you want to hear even more content hosted by yours truly, check out my other show, Supernatural Matters. Reminder that you are automatically entered to win either a free 20-minute intuitive or energy healing session with me if you leave five stars along with a positive review. Currently, reviews can be left on Apple, Stitcher, Podchaser, or CastBox podcast players. Don't forget to email contact at apsychicstory.com when you do because it allows me to get in touch with you if your name is pulled in the drawing. Your name stays in until you win.